MSW Media. News was wearing daily beans, daily beans, daily beans, daily beans. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Thursday, December 10th, 2020. Today, the House passes the NDAA with a huge majority. Senator Wyden and Representative Castro probe whether Kushner pushed Trump to support the Qatar blockade while he was seeking a billion-dollar bailout. I know that that doesn't sound like news to y'all, but the mainstream media is finally picking it up. The chair of the House Ways and Means Committee, Richie Neal, digs in against a bill to end surprise medical billing. 17 red states and Trump joined the Texas lawsuit to overturn battleground states' votes. And Hunter Biden says he's under investigation for taxes. I'm your host, A.G. And I'm Dana Goldberg. Ah, Dana, how was your day so far? You know, today's a good day because it is my big brother's birthday. So that's why no matter what's going on on December 10th, it will always be a good day because it was the day my big brother was born. How old is your big brother now? Oh, do not ask me specifics. Um, (laughs) I think older. I think he turned 51 this year. Oh, awesome. Amazing. I'm looking forward sort of to the 50s. I'm kind of looking for i hear they're great the 40s are awesome i love them right now so we'll see how the 50s go all the 40s except this year have been stellar this year (laughs) 44 has sucked my ass and i'm ready for it to be over so but then i'm 45 and that number is already tainted so who the hell knows ah yeah just skip it go to four well then you'd have to go to 46 but or maybe just do two 44s and then a a 40 47 oh i'll be 44 again that's a real in idea i'm 44 again I, I think so. I mean, you know, you deserve the year. We all deserve the year back, I think. And I think so um, <laughs> Except Donald. He doesn't deserve the year back. Fuck Donald. No, 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 absolutely not. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the 20s were awful. That's like the junior high of life. It's weird. It sucks. And then the 30s, you're getting in your groove, you know. And then the 40s, you uh, like they say in Sex and the City, you buy the drinks. And then, uh, yeah, we'll see what the 50s have. But uh, today we got uh, a good show. We're going to talk to Laura Packard. She's a, a healthcare advocate um, and activist, and she is a stage four cancer survivor. We're going to talk about Biden's healthcare team selections, and we're also going to talk about this Richie Neal bill that he's not supporting, and no one can figure out why. And then tomorrow's Friday, so we'll have Amy Carrero for the good news. And of course, you know, if you have any disputes at home, we'll we'll go to Amy's court. Let us know. You can do that at DailyBeansPod.com. It's always fun. And uh, we're working out our Christmas schedule. I don't think it's going to be different. I mean, Christmas falls on a weekend and New Year's falls on a weekend this year and everyone's sort of at home. But we, you know, we will be having happy hours. So if anybody wants to join, maybe we can get all dressed up and wear ugly sweaters or something. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, that's what's uh, going on right now. And we do have a lot of news to get to. So let's go through the headlines. Let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. Okay, the lead story today is about a lawsuit filed by Texas. And this just reminds me, Dana, of Celebrity Jeopardy with Turd Ferguson and yeah. Will Ferrell, <laughs> where uh, I think French Stewart uh, is is on there, played by maybe Jimmy Fallon, and I can't remember who plays him. And uh, he comes up with, the, like, the, the final Jeopardy is, like, name a number, and he, he puts threeve, which is a combination of three and five. And Will Ferrell goes, simply stunning. What did you wager? And he reveals it. And it says, Texas with a dollar sign. Yeah. <laughs> so 
Every time. Uh, anyway, Texas is opposing uh, the vote in the, the battleground states, four key battleground states, and 17 Republican states, and now President Trump have signed on to it. So 17 states told the Supreme Court that they support an effort by Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton, who's been under indictment for five years, by the way, to sue... Uh, to effectively reverse President-elect Joe Biden's projected win in the Electoral College. The filing came a day after Paxton asked the Supreme Court for permission to sue Georgia, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin over their election results, which Biden won, (laughs) all four. And they're already certified. By the way, all 50 states have certified today, so good news. Uh, President Donald Trump filed a motion to intervene in the case in his personal capacity as the presidential candidate. Uh, And he... (laughs) In his filing, he insisted that no president has ever won Ohio and Florida and lost the election. (laughs) It's just laughable because it's so easily fact-checked. And, uh, yeah, no, Nixon lost uh, and won Ohio and Florida. And that's just simply stunning. Texas with a dollar sign. Um, Now, Trump defeated Biden in the popular vote in the states supporting Paxton's bid. So these 17 states, Trump beat Biden in the popular vote. Here are the states supporting the suit. It's Missouri, Alabama, Arkansas, Florida, Indiana, Kansas, Louisiana, Mississippi, Montana, Nebraska, North Dakota, Oklahoma, South Carolina, South Dakota, Tennessee, Utah, and West Virginia. Now, Maryland Attorney General Brian Frosch, whose state overwhelmingly voted for Biden, said in a scornful tweet that Maryland would not join Paxton's case after someone on Twitter suggested that he do so. He says, quote, This suit is a cesspool of disproved charges, wild speculation, insupportable arguments, and silly gibberish. <laughs> That's what Frosch's tweet said. So oh, my goodness. It's absolutely ridiculous. It will be... I, I don't even understand the premise i was reading through these documents and trump is actually saying look the reason that there's no fraud is because the fraud is undetectable but it's there and uh, also the nixon thing just just totally idiotic and it, i'm sure that just like the the supreme court with the with the pennsylvania case they'll just be like we're not listening we're, we're, we're not, not doing this mm-hmm. i mean trump trump tweeted yesterday that um apparently according to the bookies because now that's what you want to bring to the Supreme Court. Apparently, according to the bookies, he had a 97% chance of winning at 10 p.m. on the night of the election, uh, which one isn't true anyway. And the fact that he's actually using Vegas bookies to back up somehow uh, his his lawsuits is, is la- laughable at best. So the guy who bankrupted four casinos... Uh, Israel playing on bookies and gamblers. Yeah. Okay. Mind you, just a remembrance. Uh, if if you don't remember this, that he bank- he actually screwed up two casinos because he built them next to each other because he figured this one's doing so well. I will build another casino within a stone's throw because I know that one's going to do just as well. And then he's he's just a moron. Because that's how apartment buildings work, right? Apartment buildings, if you right. build more of them next to each other, you get more money. So that must be how casinos work. Uh, but, you know, in a fun, unrelated story, the Trump Plaza is set to be imploded uh, in January. Beautiful. Yeah, Ugh. That's so. one of those things that I do hope they televise or I kind of want to just go to witness. <laughs> I mean, I won't because it's a pandemic and it's January and it's going to be fucking cold. But um, more good news that Trump cannot control, which is wonderful. The House on Tuesday passed a bipartisan $741 billion defense authorization bill by a very sizable veto proof majority. That is a very important part. 
And that's basically them throwing down the first of two gaunt, uh, two expected gauntlets, gauntlets, <laughs> Jesus, before President Trump, who has escalated his threat to scuttle the legislation. You know, this is my fault for not reading through some of these <laughs> words <laughs> in more detail before I take on one of your headlines. Okay, um, um I think we're I think we're gonna call this episode "Scuttle the Gauntlets." <laughs> scuttle the gauntlets this is the thing and the most important part of that entire paragraph that i botched is that this is a veto proof um, vote by the house so what what happened is 335 to 78 voted uh in the house that represents a much bigger margin of victory for the bill that the house mustered up earlier uh in a different version of legislation this summer it also, it's a very sharp rebuke uh, to Trump's exhortations of the Republicans to vote against the measure, which is what he wants them to do because he said he was going to veto it if it didn't tell Twitter to stop harassing him. Um, <laughs> seriously, fewer than half of GOP lawmakers who opposed the initial defense bill over the summer voted against the bipartisan compromise Tuesday. So clearly there was a lot of ground made uh, over the months on this one. House leaders credit that increased support to changes that were made during a months-long negotiation between the Senate and the House, despite last-minute efforts from some of Trump's allies to undermine the legislation. They still have those schmucks in the Senate. They're saying, I'm going to vote for him no matter what. Even if they veto, if he tries to veto this, I'm still going to vote with him. Uh, the House's vote sets up a challenge for the Senate now, which has yet to vote on the measure. Should senators approve the bill by a similarly decisive margin... Leaders are hopeful that the president will reconsider his veto threat. Now, leaders will hope he reconsiders his veto threat. Fucking veto. I mean, it. he's going to get overridden. Mm-hmm. I think so, too. I really do think this is going to be one of those times where they're like, you're not holding the military hostage. These are pay raises for the military. This is our military budget. Republicans aren't going to let this one fly just because Trump's having a temper tantrum over social media. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I think, what, do they need 67 or 60? 67 veto-proof, two-thirds? Yeah. Uh, All right, up next here, proving that the thicket of congressional and law enforcement investigations circling around outgoing President Trump's family will not end with his White House term. Democratic Senator Ron Wyden and Representative Joaquin Castro opened up a new probe on Wednesday. This is the one focusing on Kushner's potentially compromising dealings with Qatar and other Middle East governments. The latest investigation into whether Kushner pushed his father-in-law, Trump, to support a Qatari blockade while Kushner companies sought more than a billion dollar bailout from officials from that and other Middle Eastern governments. We have been on this story for years. Uh, Here's some of the letter, quote, we write to seek information on any ethics guidance that has been provided to senior White House advisor Jared Kushner on potential conflicts of interest related to Kushner Companies, a real estate company owned and operated by his family in which he remains a significant investor. It was against this backdrop that Jared Kushner's father, Charles Kushner, met in April 2017 with Qatari finance minister Sharif Al-Amadi to solicit an investment from Qatar's sovereign wealth fund for the 666 Fifth Avenue property. According to financial analyst, a financial analyst familiar with the meeting, Charles Kushner asked the Cutteries for just under a billion dollars. <laughs> now, if you remember back in the day when we, when we reported on this, we were also reporting on when Kushner met with Citibank, I think, and uh, the Apollo Group in the White House to also ask them for a bailout, too. Now, after the Cutteries refused... Uh, Kushner reportedly met with officials from Saudi Arabia and the UAE without U.S. diplomats present. 
And he did that the very next month after the, the Qataris were like, we're not going to pay for your devil building. And they say, quote, during this private meeting, Saudi and UAE officials reportedly discussed the blockade they were planning to impose on Qatar with him. Uh, with it. They discussed it with him, not impose the <laughs> the blockade with him. Um <laughs> And they were citing former Secretary of State Rex Tillerson's remarks before the House Foreign Affairs Committee in May of 2019. So Brookfield Asset Management, an investment firm with links to Qatar and the UAE, took over the 666 Fifth Avenue's lease in 2019. Its subsidiary, Brookfield Property Partners, whose second largest investor is Qatar, signed the 99-year lease. And that's when Qatar went, we had no idea we were part of Brookfield Property Partners, uh, even though... Uh, it's a subsidiary and, or, you know, Brookfield right. Asset Management has links to Qatar and its subsidiary signed the 99-year lease. They're like, we had no clue. So Wyden and Castro want responses and documents by December 23rd. I doubt they'll get them, but they're at least writing the letter. This is how long the last few years have been. Actually, the last two, AG, you said Rex Tillerson and I went, who? <laughs> <laughs> In my head, who remembers Rex Tillerson? Oh, I mean, there's some people at the beginning of this administration that I, don't, I couldn't even name. And they mm-hmm. would be like, who was the Secretary of State at the beginning? I'd be like, um, yes. not sure. That's as good as mine. Uh, this next story actually comes from Shimon Prokopez and Evan Perez at CNN. President-elect Joe Biden's son... Now, I hate this article. I And I just, I mean, this headline, and I just have to say this because it's going to but it's going to create, we've just been hearing about Hunter Biden, Hunter Biden, Hunter Biden. And now, uh, he's actually even admitting they're just looking, they're looking at me for some tax stuff. So president elect Joe Biden's son, Hunter Biden said in a statement that he learned yesterday from the U S attorney's office in Delaware, that his tax affairs are being investigated. Now here's some more of the details of the story. Basically the investigation started back in 2018 and it has to do with the business dealings in China. So the investigation was put on hold around election because there's a DOJ policy uh, to do so. But now this new investigative action began after the election. So they started this thing right back up again. Mm -hmm. So one person briefed on the matter said at least one of the matters investigators have examined in 2017 is a gift of a 2.8 carat diamond that Hunter Biden received from CEFC's founder and former chairman Yi Jianming after Miami business meeting. So obviously hmm. they're going to look at it. He's, he's very, seems to be very upfront about what's happening. Uh, so I guess we'll follow this one and, and, and continue to see how it unfolds. Is Hunter Biden not allowed to receive gifts? I, you know, I think he is. Uh, he's a I, private I, citizen. He's a private citizen. Um, and if he's, if he's not, I'll take it. I mean, I'll take the two point carrot mm. diamond. Yeah. Mm. It's just one thing after another. Um, it, it is interesting that this is the Delaware, uh, the Delaware mm-hmm. um, U.S. Attorney's Office, though. Weiss, yeah. Yeah, they just can't leave Hunter Biden alone, I guess. Um, it's interesting, though, that they did follow the Department of Justice policy to not talk about investigations right? or continue investigations within 60 days of an election, even though even though Bill Barr came out and said that that wasn't a real uh, thing, but it was only for voter inform- voter stuff. So I guess maybe they followed it. Just weird. Considering, especially considering Ivanka Trump took almost $800,000 in consulting fees to hide from the tax man, but okay. Right. And uh, finally, House Ways and Means Committee Chair Richie Neal is digging his heels in against a measure to stop a surprise medical billing measure. Uh, and, and I'll be speaking with Laura Packard about that after the break. And then we'll also be discussing Biden's health team appointees. So you don't want to miss it. Stay with us. After these messages, we'll be right back. 
Hey everybody, it's AG. Today's episode of Daily Beans is brought to you by Plush Care. I know that with everything going on, it can be difficult to put your health first, but especially now, we really shouldn't put off seeing a doctor when we're not feeling well. And that's why I use Plush Care. Plush Care provides primary and urgent health care through virtual appointments, and scheduling an appointment, even for the same day, is really easy. I just pick a slot that works for me, and boom, click, it's done. Right online. So I don't waste time on hold. I don't have to go to crowded waiting rooms, which no one should be doing if you can avoid it right now. And with my Plush Care membership, I can see my doctor from the comfort of my own home in my jammies if I need to. And with Plush Care, I can get diagnosed, treated, and even have a prescription sent to my local pharmacy if needed, all within minutes. And if I have any questions before or after my visit, I can send unlimited messages to my care team anytime. And Plush Care accepts major insurance carriers, and it's available in all 50 states. And with how difficult things are, if you're feeling anxious or depressed or stressed out about what's going on in the world, Plush Care doctors are here to help by discussing treatment options and providing prescriptions as needed. I can tell you personally, my plush care experience has been a breeze. Signing up was easy. It's very user-friendly. It only takes a minute. Just as easy to schedule an appointment, as I said earlier, and I'm very confident with my doctor because all plush care doctors graduated from one of the top 50 medical schools in the country. They're all highly rated by their patients, too, so I have peace of mind that I'm getting the highest quality health care. Plush care makes it easy for me to get the excellent care I need when I need it, and with plush care, I don't put off seeing a doctor, and neither should you. No more excuses. Make your appointment today, go to plushcare.com slash daily beans. That's P-L-U-S-H-C-A-R-E dot com slash daily beans. Plushcare.com slash daily beans. All right, everybody, welcome back. Today, we're joined by healthcare advocate, award-winning progressive digital new media and communication strategist, and stage four cancer survivor, incredible person, Laura Packard, and we're going to discuss healthcare news. Laura, welcome back. Thanks. Glad it's to great. be back. It's great to talk to you. Um, it, it's been a few weeks, but I, you know, now that Biden's healthcare team has been selected and, or you know, selected for nomination, I should say, that's uh, not automatic. I wanted to talk to you about some of those things, uh, and then a couple, like a, a surprise billing bill that's sort of being buried right now. And I, and I was hoping you could answer some questions for me. Sounds good. All right. So first. Let's talk about the health team nominees. Um, I first I'd like to start with the new secretary designate for health and human services. Um, he's the attorney general for California um, and former state legislator, I believe. His name's Javier Becerra. And I was wondering what you thought of of this choice to, to lead this crucial, crucial department, HHS. Uh, he was a bit of a surprising pick because I don't know, uh, it didn't seem like uh, folks like us in the healthcare advocacy world saw that coming, but we're very pleased uh, because he has been a staunch advocate for the Affordable Care Act and for healthcare in general, pushing back against uh, Trump sabotage again and again. And uh, he also has a record of help getting healthcare reform passed when he was in Congress. And so he has a long history of being on the right side of healthcare issues. And he's also not going to be a hands-off backbench kind of secretary. Uh, you know, he's, he's going to be a forceful advocate. And that's exactly what we're looking for, uh, a great change after the past four years. Yeah, I mean, that's a low bar. Uh, and I think that, uh, I think Javier Becerra clears a much higher bar than that. I agree with you. Uh, especially since, you know, Biden's healthcare plan has always been to shore up, strengthen and improve 
the Affordable Care Act, which, um, you know, uh, I know a lot of progressives in Congress and in the country or uh, Medicare for all advocates, um, you know, but this is this is kind of what we're dealing with. And, and to not have one of those backbench players, like you said, is going to be really important going forward. I concur. And he you're right. And he's just so uh, it, watching a couple of days ago or last week, maybe it was a year ago. Time is weird. Um, when uh, Biden introduced his health care team, it's just so well-spoken and um, very supportive of expanding and improving the Affordable Care Act. Do you, do you know what kind of in what ways um, you think he might help push to uh, expand the Affordable Care Act or improve it? And what sort of I mean, if he's probably going to run up against a lot of roadblocks, even if we do clear, you know, win the Georgia runoffs, uh, we still don't have a filibuster proof majority. And I'm not sure that this Congress is going to go nuclear. So what kind of things do you think he can do unilaterally? Mm-hmm. Well, uh, there are things that uh, we can do uh, via executive order and also just through running HHS, uh, all the sabotage that has come out of HHS and uh, CMS, the Center for um, Medicare, Seema uh, Verna, uh, he can undo all that. Uh, their push on um, uh work requirements for Medicaid, uh, people that are going through uh, illness and disability, uh, you, you, you can't get well and work uh, a full-time job at the same time if there's even full-time employment in a, during a pandemic. So uh, those kinds of policies uh, were designed to kick people off healthcare. And so uh, they can do a 180 on that. And instead of pushing states to take away healthcare for people, they can push the states that never expanded Medicaid to do it and cover the people that make a little bit too much money to qualify for Medicaid now, but still they don't have the kind of money it takes to be able to afford uh, full price uh, health insurance every month. So those kinds of things he can do uh, as well as carrying through uh, some of the promises that were uh, never fulfilled from Trump about lowering the cost of prescription drugs and so on. Uh, he uh, talked a good game and uh, Trump uh, signed an executive order but never did the follow through. So <laughs> having a healthcare focused team, it could actually move forward on lowering the cost of prescription drugs. Even if we can't get a bill signed through Congress to allow Medicare to negotiate drug pricing, there are things that we could do through executive orders. So uh, life is not going to be as great for uh, people as if we had uh, the Senate majority and the ability to pass legislation to really expand healthcare to everybody. I mean, we just don't have the pieces for that right now, but we can take steps to make things better for uh, people right now. Yeah, that's those are two really important points, the the drug pricing and then that gap, that income means testing gap that, that tended to leave a lot of people out of affordability for health care. Um, most most certainly um, moving on here, Vivek Murthy, Dr. Vivek Murthy for Surgeon General. What are your thoughts there? I think he's great. Uh, I know him a little bit uh, from the work that I did uh, with Doctors for America of a few years ago. He was involved in founding that organization. It was originally Doctors for Obama and then became Doctors for America afterwards. Uh, and just he is a perfect choice to be our Surgeon General and uh, to have the bully pulpit of really urging Americans to do what they need to do to get healthy and stay safe right now. Mm-hmm. 
And Dr. Fauci, uh, chief medical advisor uh, to uh, chief health advisor to to President-elect Joe Biden, I had a little bit of a problem. I got a little snitty with Dr. Fauci this year uh, because I don't think he was speaking out enough. He was obviously muzzled quite a bit. Uh, and I think that the counter argument to that was, well, he's trying to just stay in that position so that he can still have the ear of, re- you know, important people like the president or the task force to to help move and shape policy. Um, it, he just kept running up against a brick wall. But he is the top infectious disease specialist in the country. Uh, and I think that he'll make a fine uh, chief medical advisor, chief health advisor. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And I think that you're exactly right in that he was just trying to keep his job because can you even imagine if Scott Atlas was in that position right now? He was for a minute, right? Him and then maybe the MyPillow guy had something to say about it. Um, Because, you know, creating hypoallergenic uh, pillows is definitely qualifying for uh, (laughs) somewhere on the task force. He's at least as qualified as many other people that Trump put into power. Yeah, and I don't mean to browbeat like MRI head head and neck specialists, but come on. Um, now, here's somebody maybe you can educate me about. Jeff Zients. He's the head of the COVID response team. Do you know what do you know about him? Um, I don't know a lot about him. So, although I don't think of him as a health policy guy, but I know that he was brought in to help fix the mess that was the healthcare.gov rollout. We do need some of that. <laughs> yeah. Um, we are certainly going to need some of that, especially with I'm hearing a lot of pushback in the transition about getting access to certain things uh, and being able to to discuss future health policy and vaccination rollout and all that. Um, it's it's been it's they're not making it easy. Um, now, let's see. I wanted to ask you about here's some other folks I'm not quite sure about. But one of the things I'm really, really excited about is the creation of a COVID equity task force. And that's going to be headed by Dr. Marcella Nunez-Smith. And I think that, I mean, first of all, the diversity on this health uh, group of health experts, I think, is amazing. Um, and I'm wondering, like the equity task force, I know that Trump and the ta- well, not you know the task force, I should say uh, Pence, uh, because I spoke with Olivia Troy quite a uh, quite a bit about this. Didn't have a plan to address the inequities um, in in death counts and, and hospitalizations of communities of color, and so I'm I'm really excited that there's going to actually be, uh, and I'm glad they're not calling her a czar. I, can we get rid of the word czar from our government, honestly? Um, but she's going to be in charge of that equity task force. Can you tell us a little bit about what you think about the fact that, first of all, we're going to have this task force and that it's led um, by Dr. Mar- Marcella? Well, I also think that that's really great because, as you pointed out, communities of color have borne the brunt of uh, the casualties uh, from COVID-19 and the after effects. If you look at uh, long haulers, uh, 15 million Americans as of yesterday have had uh, COVID and we don't even know what the long term effects are going to be. And so if there is a large uh, group of communities of color that make up those 15 million, that means uh, people are going 
going to be dealing with the effects of this for the rest of their lives. And if you look at uh, essential workers, people that are on the front lines that are most faced with um, exposure to COVID, again, it's, it's a lot of communities of color. And so I think that there are some particular uh, valid concerns uh, about um, vaccines. If you look back at US history, we do not have a good record at all. I mean, if, if you look even today, black maternal um, uh, death rates are higher. And so, so we do not live in an equal system right now and communities of color have had it the worst. And I can, I can completely understand why people would have hesitancy about this brand new vaccine, but we've got to get through that. We've got to figure out how to reach communities that are harder to reach, but are most at risk and uh, persuade people about the importance of uh, getting vaccinated, or we're going to be in the same exact place a year from now or two years from now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I heard um, a bit about this on NPR this morning after the nominee for uh, Secretary of Defense, uh, retired General Lloyd Austin, um, spoke today, and and so those are our two main those these Doctor um, uh, Doctor Marcella Nunez Smith and, and and Lloyd Austin could be our main messengers uh, about vaccine distribution, and the the hesitancy, like you said, towards vaccines is well founded. Um, and but then, you know, the the trust in the messenger, I think, is going to be huge. And that's why I love this um, equity task force. And I'm still on the fence about whether I support Lloyd Austin for um, secretary of defense simply because he, he's not been a civilian for seven years. And I really I'm really a huge advocate of uh, civilian leadership at the Pentagon. But I think that that trust and, and the deployment of the vaccine is is a hugely important issue. And I think going forward, you know, just understanding um, that there were so many black scientists and involved in developing the vaccine. There's, there's many on the table at the table who are there to approve it. Um, and and we're, we're very far away from that. But the but the the distrust is certainly founded. Mm -hmm. And I also hope that there is a strategy from the Biden administration to reach out to people who are uh, who have a reputation in the community. You know, uh, I know that Obama volunteered to get the vaccine that all of the ex presidents except for <laughs> Carter so far have volunteered and that's great. But uh, uh, celebrities and influencers absolutely people that in some ways have more credibility than mm -hmm. president obama in specific populations mm -hmm. yeah 100 percent. and then finally cdc centers for disease control and prevention dr rochelle walonsky um what of what of that appointment uh i don't know her as well uh but she also sounds uh very qualified and I think that CDC uh, employees and rank and file are going to be so happy to be entering a new era where science is valued instead of made uh, made ridiculous. Mm. You know, like <laughs> having having a guy who sells pillows dictate your uh, pandemic strategy is ridiculous and frightening, and so just. Having science and scientists leading our scientific institutions, again, is going to be so important. Mm, yeah, especially in the face of what happened to Rebecca Jones, former Department of Health employee from Florida, with a, her home raided, guns drawn, her children in the house. 
uh, about a text message that was sent on a system that uh, she denies sending. Those kinds of, to be able to practice your, especially at the CDC, because we've seen multiple reports over the last, since, since the pandemic began, about how their language has gotten soft and how their recommendations have gotten optional uh and it's it's been you know we we had this whole big thing like cdc are you okay and and i and i feel like they they will be again they can return to being the gold standard of investigative investigative um health issues and and making recommendations writing reports and and now the scientists the the thousands there who who whose work i think has been stymied uh, in this administration can go forward. Exactly. We should be getting back to science instead of pseudoscience. <laughs> 100%. Hey, I have one more question for you. It's about this broad bipartisan effort to pass legislation protecting patients from surprise medical bills. Uh, would you? I have to take a quick break. Would you stick around with me? Sure. Great, thanks. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody, it's AG, and this segment of The Daily Beans is brought to you by BetterHelp. They provide professional counseling online to help you navigate life's challenges. We all face difficulties and stresses, but the important thing to remember is you don't have to face them alone. So if you're struggling with anything that's preventing you from living your happiest life, I recommend BetterHelp. It's not a crisis line, and it's not self-help. It's licensed professional therapy done securely online. They'll assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist, and you can start communicating in under 24 hours. As you know, I've battled PTSD my whole life, and I know how important it is to seek help rather than try to take it on alone. BetterHelp services are available for clients worldwide, and they have a broad range of expertise in their counselor network, a lot of which might not be locally available in your area. And the best thing about BetterHelp is you can log on to your account anytime, send a message to your counselor, and you'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions. And BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches, and this is so important, so they they make it easy and free to change your counselor if you need to. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling, and financial aid is available. So visit their website and read their testimonials like this one by BetterHelp user J.A., who says, Angelina is insightful and patient. She, She seems empathetic and kind, but also clear and firm. Her sessions always end with actionable goals, and she's willing to move the session forward and toward relevant concerns if need be. She's very great support. So visit betterhelp.com slash dailybeans. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, and you can join the over 800,000 people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced licensed professional. Special offer for Daily Beans listeners, you get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash dailybeans. All right, everybody, welcome back. We're talking to Laura Packard, and I wanted to ask you, okay, so let me just give you a little bit of this story. I'm sure you're familiar with it, but I'm, I'm going to give it to the listeners. There's this, like I said before the break, a broad bipartisan effort, bipartisan, to pass legislation protecting patients from surprise medical billing. And now it's on life support because the House Ways and Means Committee chairman, uh, Richard Neal, is digging in on a separate proposal. And what do you know about this legislation and, and why... Richie Neal, who I'm still mad about over the Trump tax returns uh, and who is now going to continue to be the chair of the House Ways and Means Committee, what, what's, what's his deal? Okay. Well, first, let me explain what's going on with surprise medical billing. Uh, surprise medical billing is when you wind up at the hospital, you know, an accident happens or something like that. And it turns out maybe the hospital wasn't in your insurance network, or maybe the anesthesiologist that does your emergency operation isn't in your network. So it's not even something that you can necessarily predict. 
you can call doctors ahead of time and, and verify that they take your insurance, et cetera, et cetera. And you can still get stuck with a bill at the end of it. Uh, and so this has been an issue for a long time. Uh, it's been a growing issue as more private equity funds uh, swallow up uh, doctors' practices and anesthesiologists and so on. And venture firms want to make their money. And so part of how they make their money is prize medical billing, which is why they spent millions of dollars to kill uh, a solution to medical billing the last time this was uh, a possibility, which uh, was, I think, maybe a, a, a year or so ago, uh, surprise medical billing was being talked about a fix for it. And uh, the, the, there are two different solutions being talked about for handling this problem. Uh, one is arbitration, which means that the doctors and uh, the uh, hospital, like all, all the parties have to uh, go to an, our, our, a neutral third party that decides what is the fair price. And the other is benchmarking, where uh, they just have to, if, if somebody's not in network, they just have to go with the, what the prevailing rate mm. is. Which sucks because the prevailing rate is usually a zillion dollars because you're right, this happened to me. I was in a car accident, went to the hospital, was supposed to be covered, even had a catastrophic cap and all that that I'd already reached. And I got separate bills for uh, anesthesia, radiology labs, and my IV medication, including saline. Uh, so, you know, and, and I had to call and fight and, and say, these are covered. And, and according to my insurance policy, and they're like, no, they're not. It went on for like a year and a half. And then these, these bills can go into collection. People can go into debt. It can wreck your credit score. It's a hundred percent ridiculous. So enter Richie Neal. <laughs> and so there was a, there was a compromise. There was a solution. And, uh, it, the last time around, um, uh, Congressman Neal killed it because he said he needed more time or whatever. Uh, but, uh, you know, he, he, put, he put the stops on it. And now people are gathering again in lame duck uh, because several people in the House and the Senate really wanted this to go through as their final act. And Republicans, there's bipartisan agreement on this. And again, he is stopping it, uh, probably in his opinion, uh, trying to stop it altogether, even though he'll say he just needs more time. And uh, one of his top contributors is the private equity firms. So uh, financially, it is very much in his interest to uh, make sure that there is no solution to surprise medical billing because his backers make a lot of money off of it. Mm -hmm. and, and Nancy Pelosi recently announced him again in this, I think it's 117th Congress now, uh, to be this coming year to be uh, chair of the House Ways and Means Committee. And now she's even stepping in um, on this saying, she, you know, she stepped in over the weekend to speak to Neil to get him to compromise on this. And so we're still sort of, we don't know where that ended up, but um, I, I hope Pelosi can push him in the right direction. Mm -hmm. Right. Because I don't believe that his constituents want to keep paying these surprise medical bills. He does not have his constituents' best interests at heart. He does not have the country's best interests at heart. Uh, patients are going to continue to get socked with these terrible bills. And 
And like you said, it can take years or you can never get away from it. Uh, I also had a surprise medical bill for my first hospitalization. I So while I was fighting cancer, while I was getting chemotherapy every couple of weeks, I had to fight a $100,000 medical bill and write appeals. And just nobody should have to live through that. And from a patient perspective, we don't even care the way you solve it. You know, <laughs> if insurance companies take a hit or doctors take a hit, you know, like, we just want the problem solved. And uh, Congressman Neal refuses to do anything about it. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of um, sick people uh, who simply can't fight it um, or just choose not to. And I think a lot of medical billing is like, well, let's just bill them and see if they bother fighting it. And this even goes with your basic um, doctor's visit billing. And, and, and I've kind of noticed that you have to sort of put up a fight. I have, there's at least 50% of the medical bills I get, there's a fight in them that I should win and do win, but I have to actually go through it. And having PTS myself makes it very difficult to, to actually engage in those battles. And I think they're just hoping I'll just let it go. Mm -hmm. Right. Because they make a lot of money off of people just giving up or not even knowing how to successfully fight because this this is something that you have to get into the weeds with and you have to be able to have doctors write letters and so on. You know, it's not an easy thing to do and it's not a skill that we're born with knowing how to beat insurance companies. No, so. no and, and I my, my doctorate is in health administration and I worked for years uh, with billing and insurance and claims and third party and WPS and TRICARE and network providers and out of network providers. I am a I am a fucking expert, pardon my French. And even I, when I'm looking at, at an estimation of benefits, I'm like, it's confusing and it needs to stop. And there needs to be, a, you know, if it like like the equivalent of a Consumer Affairs Protection Bureau for medical billing and that and that Rich, Richie Neal, a Democrat, is is digging his heels in for an alternate proposal. Do you have any idea what this rival proposal is? I'm sure it, it doesn't harm his equity donors. Right. Uh, and if uh, I think you're referring to the same article that I was reading in The Hill or whatever. And it said that the other uh, the um, other uh, politicians were offering him what he said he wanted and he still wouldn't take it. So that sort of makes clear what he's really trying to do here. If he asks for a thing and they say they'll give it to him and he says no. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And this puts him, um, as we say on this show, between a dildo store and a crematorium because, you know, here we have a we have money in politics. That is the system. And it is hard when money is in politics to go around it or outside of it or or. Uh, push back on it because these congressmen run for office every two years. They're always running for office. And so it's, it it can be impossible for them. um, Albeit it shouldn't be to, to push back on this money uh, on these donors. And that is another, just one of the many reasons we need to get money out of politics. Mm -hmm. And also uh, he was primaried. Uh, He had, he had a uh, legitimate primary uh, last year. Uh, Alex Morse ran against him. Uh, I don't think it was particularly close in the end, but if Congressman Neal thinks he's going to get a pass that he can just take money from these private equity firms and screw patients, then he may learn it works differently next year. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we definitely need to do something at least about the healthcare lobby. What is it, $11 billion a year? I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous. And like I said, I, and I'm not trying to make excuses. I'm not a, I'm not a, a equity firm apologist here for Richie Neal, but it's, it has to be, it has to be hard uh, on these politicians who, who need to keep their jobs or want to keep their jobs. Term limits would also solve this, uh, <laughs> but or you know, a four-year uh, designation as a, as a congressional representative. Uh, and maybe a four-year for senators, clip it at three terms and stagger them. I mean, something needs to be changed and codified so that we can alleviate the need to have to to kowtow to these donors and lobbyists in Washington. You would think that uh, that for these elected officials, they would see how um, uh, campaign finance reform would be in their interests. But I think that uh, a lot of elected officials figure that we forget that we will go away, that they can take whatever votes they need or do whatever they do. uh, And that years later, we won't remember. But uh, when your life is on the line, when you're facing down a $100,000 medical bill for the rest of your life, you will certainly remember. And we will make sure Richie Neal remembers and that if he continues to be a a stumbling block, um, that people will know and we'll make sure people in Massachusetts know about his record. Yeah. And from an outsider's perspective, too, and, you know, outside Washington, maybe it's hard for them to see that they could be a, a hero if they said, I'm not taking this money and come forward with the fact that I'm losing this much money to oppose this, but I'm going to do it because it is what is right. Um, and you, you could actually be a hero. And, and like you said, he won by quite a bit uh, when he was primaried. I don't understand what he's so afraid of. Um, it's weird. Anyway, that's all I have to say. <laughs> it's, we have to end on that. Um, anyway, thank you so much for talking to me. You're a warrior. I appreciate your time. And please keep up the good work. Tell everyone where they can find you and follow you because the work you do and the stories that you share about healthcare, I think, are so vital. Thanks. Uh, well, you can follow me at... Uh, at uh, L Packard on Twitter. And uh, one plug to put in there, uh, open enrollment is going on right now through Tuesday. So if you do not have health insurance, go to healthcare.gov right now today before the deadline Tuesday and sign up for a health insurance policy. Yes, 100% agreed. Thank you so much, uh, healthcare advocate, award-winning progressive digital new media communication strategist and warrior survivor, stage four cancer survivor, Laura Packard. Thanks very much. Thank you. Everybody stick around. We'll be right back with the good news. Hey, everybody. This portion of Daily Beans is brought to you by the most useful app on my phone. I love it. It's my new favorite life hack. It's called Blinkist. Sometimes finding time to read or work on personal development can be hard, especially when you're super busy. But Blinkist is designed to solve this problem. Blinkist is a unique app that works on your phone, tablet, web browser, whatever you got. And it takes the best key takeaways, the bottom line up front stuff from thousands of nonfiction books and condenses it down to just 15 minutes. You can either read it or listen to it. And most successful people are known to be like massive readers. And Blinkist is made for busy people who want to get the main points quickly so they can start using the information right away. And with the audio feature, they make it easy. Blinkist makes it easy to finish a book while you're driving, working out, walking the pod dog, whatever you do. 12 million people currently use Blinkist right now. It has a massive growing library. They have self-help, politics, business, health, history books. They have the latest titles from bestsellers as well as classic nonfiction titles you always wanted to read but didn't have time to. 
Uh, my use for Blinkist, here's what I use it for. In less than 15 minutes, I get the main points, and that helps me decide which books I want to read in full later. Uh, I've recently read Everything is Fucked, a book about hope, which is one of the most popular books right now. And with Blinkist, you get unlimited access to read or listen to a massive library of condensed nonfiction books, all of the books you want, and all for one low price. And right now, for a limited time, Blinkist has a special offer just for the listeners here. So go to Blinkist.com beans and try it free for seven days. That's free for seven days. Plus, you save 25% off your new subscription. That's Blinkist, spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, Blinkist.com beans and start your free seven-day trial and you'll save 25% off, but only when you sign up at Blinkist.com beans. All right, everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. All right, Thursday good news. This is where we read your listener-submitted good news, whether it's political or personal, and confessions and corrections. And, of course, tomorrow is going to be Amy's court, so you can send us your disputes that you're having if you want us to settle those in Amy's court. Um, and you can do all that by going to uh, dailybeanspod.com and clicking on contact. And, Dana, how's it going? We're going to do the good news. I'm excited. Let's do it. It's a great way to end my days with you. It always mm. is. Yay. So, first up, from Anonymous, pronouns he and him. That was a great reaction of Burns's to a mouse, but it was just a little off. To get it right requires raising a glass of whiskey in a toast to the little mouse. But cut yourself a break. We have it tough these days. <laughs> Thanks, Anonymous. I appreciate it. That was very kind. Oh, we're moving on. I'm, I'm taking this one. I can see my, every time I see my name at the top, I'm like, oh boy. Uh, this one's from Russell. There are no pronouns given. Hello, Beans Queens. Two things. One, confession. Dana G, one of the sexiest voices in podcast history. What? And I have a secret, not so secret crush uh, on both her and AG. Well, Russell, just to interject, thank you. I do not understand this about my voice. I've always hated it. Or maybe I just hated hearing it back. Anyway, thank you. I appreciate it. Um, that's because he's hearing me in the afternoon and not when I wake up because he'd be like, is that her uncle Murray? Okay. Now continue Russell's submission. Now I also have a correction but an addendum to who will be heading the DOJ shortlist. Merrick Garland is being considered. Of course, my beans are on Mr. Garland. Mm. Mitch, can you hear me? In the style of Tommy by the Who. Oh. <laughs> I was doing it more like Bette Midler, like, Mitchell, can you hear me? Yeah, well was, done. more that. Can you do it in the style of Tommy by the Who? No. Oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to get it in my head. <laughs> No. I see in my head I have Barbara Streisand. Yeah, I can't get Mitch, Barbara Streisand. Can you out of my hear head. me? Yeah, yeah, like Papa can yeah. Mitchell, Mitchell. Did you see Yeah. Mitchell can, Mitchell, you, can see you see me? Mitchell do you know? People. Okay. I should maybe I just want to give more love to Russ on this. There was a very short uh submission, but a very a very sweet one. Uh he included pod tax, including pod tax of the beloved twelve year old Oreo. Oh, oh my goodness. Ru I have a crush on your puppy. Look at I this baby. Oh, 12 year old Russell. Oreo. I'm, I, I do want to know if that is a jar of, a, a, like a bucket of popcorn behind Oreo or dog dog treats, maybe? Could be. Oh, yep, dog treats. Because I wasn't sure if they were wine corks. And if they were wine corks, I was going to be very <laughs> impressed with Russell. <laughs> and I'd be like, I'll go on a date with you, Russell. If you, if yeah, that's sure, how you are yeah, about wine. I'm throwing AG under the bus on that one. Go for it. <laughs> um, uh. Yeah. Um, if Russell's sister likes my voice, uh, we can talk about that another time. <laughs> Russell's sister, can you hear me? 
Okay. <laughs> Russell probably doesn't have a sister. Okay. <sighs> Next up from anonymous pronoun she and her. Hey, everybody. My confession is linked to a listener's previous confession involving dogs, Trump signs, and poo. Oh, goodness. <laughs> On the daily walk with the pooches, I admit to being almost irrationally angry at the sole Trump sign that has yet to be taken down. This week, the older dog took the opportunity to drop an impressive load right in front of the sign. I both contemplated leaving it as an editorial comment from us all or bagging it and draping it decorously on the sign until ultimately deciding to go high. But before I could strut off, content with my moral rectitude, the seven-month-old male pup took this opportunity to show off his newfound skills of lifting his leg and peed all over the sign for what felt like a half an hour. I scurried off, pups in tow, equal parts appalled and proud. Oh, well, I tried. Uh, And he might, uh, I tried, and he might have received an extra treat when we got home. Please find and close as pet tax several pictures of the criminal and his accomplice. Both are rescues. The blonde is my eight-year-old Chessie Alley, and the seven, uh, seven-month-old is my golden beagle mix Harper. Thanks for everything. And as for Trump, into each life some pee must fall. Yeah, he knows that. <laughs> oh my God! Look at the second picture, AG. <laughs> <laughs> the ear warmers hoods. Oh. <laughs> Do not have ear warmer hoods for your animal. I need you all to go out and buy some and send us as many pictures as humanly possible. Oh, oh and the little one's so ha- proud. Oh. oh, and then we have our bandanas. Oh, and that's a very serious. That that looks like they're going to release an album. Oh, that one looks like it's ready for you to release a squirrel. The one on the right. Which one is that? That is mm? Harper. Mm-hmm. The Pet Shop Boys. Oh, yeah. Harper's ready to go hunt something. Oh, squirrel? Okay. Squirrel. That's adorable. Nice. Uh, next up, Max, pronouns he and him. Hello, lovely beans ladies. In this shit show of a year, you have been a bright spot in the big waiting that ended today. After 51 hours of excruciating pain, ending in the cesarean section, my wife, Mimi, <gasps> gave birth to a healthy son. He's the most beautiful in the world by far. Oh. Thank you to the Swedish healthcare system uh, because she could stay at home with one month on paid leave avoid, and avoid COVID, unlike her, five of her colleagues during this month, and without a thought of cost, free healthcare for women in labor. We could, and because of that, we could focus 100% on the most important things in our life. I want to scream the good news from the rooftops, but in this time of isolation, this might be a better way. As pet tax, I included a picture of our two dogs who will meet their little brother in a few days. Keep up the good work, and thanks for all you do. They Max. all Thanks. Max yes. also included a picture of mama and baby. Mama and baby are so sweet. Look at that tiny, 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 precious face. I want to eat. Mama it. looks so great cute. too. Yeah. Oh yeah. Definitely. Oh, and the puppers. Look at these guys. Oh, so sweet. Hmm. Oh. <laughs> the next picture. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my goodness. All right. Uh, this one next is a confession. This is anonymous. Pronoun she and her. My mom has been hot in the hospital with COVID. She's doing much better and should be really soon, but she will still have to battle long-term effects of pneumonia. I was standing in the checkout line at Walgreens and the person in front of me had her mask dangling off her face. I'm a totally non-confrontational person, but when I saw this woman, I was filled with so much rage that I spoke up. The mask only works if you're wearing it. She replied, ugh, I know, and rolled her eyes, but proceeded to do nothing. I then said to her, my mom's in the hospital with COVID. She paused, looked at me, put her mask on and said, I'm sorry, how's she doing? 
I told her Saturday was pretty scary, but she's getting better and she should be okay. She'll have pneumonia for a while, though. Thanks for wearing your mask. She nodded and walked away. I never, ever, ever confront strangers about anything but something in me broke, and I just had to say something. For my pet tax, I attached two photos of some of our fur babies. One picture is two of the cats, Rascal and Nora, str- snuggling in the planter that used Str- to contain- Struggling would be appropriate as yep. well. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> snuggling, snuggling in the planter that used to contain the lovely fern until the cats trampled all over it. The other two of the cats playing in their wall jungle gym. Kinky Boots is blurry because he's in motion. <laughs> Kinky oh, Boots. Oh my goodness. Kinky Boots is not that. I mean, this is, this is, cats are so funny. <laughs> the two snuggling in the planter underneath it are ridiculously cute though. Oh, they Talk are. about succulents. That little yin yang action. That's adorable. That's right. And you know what? I'm glad that you spoke up. Um, anonymous. Me too. Me too. Because, I mean, I've, I've done this a few times and sometimes, you know, I'll somebody I'll be with somebody from my pod or somebody I know and they'll be like, "What, well, you know, they'll be embarrassed by me speaking up." Have you have you ever, I don't know. I'm I'm a yeah. speak up kind of person, but Yeah, me too. I'm I'm surprised. I'm and happy that she was like, "I'm sorry. How is she doing? I'll wear my mask. Thank you. Bye." You know. Yeah. Good. Good. Shame people into doing the right thing. I don't have a problem with it right now. Yeah. It's um it's so important, and I'm I'm glad it worked because you know a lot of times it doesn't. Uh, yeah, and and true. at first it didn't, right? Because the the lady was like, "Ugh, I know," Ugh, and right. rolled her eyes. But then she's like, "Me, my mom is in the hospital." Oh, like why does it take that? I don't know, but I'm glad you spoke up. So thank you. And anyone else, if you have any stories you want to share with us. Good news, political, personal, corrections, confessions, uh, could home disputes you want solved by Amy and Amy's Court tomorrow, just send them to us, dailybeanspod.com, and click on contact. And thank you so much for all these. And all of the pictures, of course, are going to be in the newsletter that comes out, I think, every Monday. Kanai sends it out, and that's for patrons. If you want to be a patron, you can sign up at patreon.com slash MullerSheWrote or on Supercast. Just look for the Daily Beans Pod. Um, any anything you want to get out there before we take off? No, I'm good today. I, I will miss you all. I have a wonderful Friday tomorrow and a nice weekend ahead. Yeah. And everyone, please take care of yourselves, take care of each other, take care of the planet, and take care of your mental health. I've been AG. And I've been DG. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is executive produced and directed by AG and Jordan Coburn and engineered and edited by Mackenzie Mazell and Starburns Industries. Our marketing manager, executive assistant, production and social media direction is Amanda Reeder. Fact-checking and research by A.G., Jordan Coburn, and Amanda Reeder. Our music is written and performed by They Might Be Giants. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. And our website is dailybeanspod.com. <laughs>